Hi guys, welcome back to What's Holding You Back, episode 9. We are super excited to be back with another another incredible episode to serve you so you can understand your unlimited potential. Our main mission and purpose behind recording these podcasts are to bring guests which can help you understand that you are the creator of your life. You have full control over your life and you can live the life of your dreams by breaking past the limitations you have created for yourself. Today's topic is very insightful and very significant. We often get so caught up in our goals and ourselves that we forget that you can get a true sense of happiness when we give back to others. This is how we find meaning in our life by contributing back to others. I now want you to think back to a time when you achieved your goals, whether it was a new car, new job, new house, or anything else. When you achieved that goal of, or, or dream, how long did the happiness last you? few seconds, a few minutes, hours, or even a day. Now go back to a moment when you helped someone or gave back in some way, either by helping someone close, volunteering, donating to charity. It could be something as small as uh, smiling to a stranger or passing a compliment to someone during your day. I'm definitely sure by doing that, you felt more fulfilled and happier. When you lift someone else along your journey, it will make your journey even more beautiful. Before we get started with the actual podcast, I'll leave you with this incredible quote by Denzel Washington. At the end, it's not about what you have or even what you have accomplished. It's about who you have lifted up, who you have made better. It's about what you have given back. Giving back in any way always comes back to you in an unknown way. Today's guest is one of those who have definitely used their passion and purpose and turned it into an incredible way to contribute to the youth of today. Our amazing guest has spent 15 plus years, you heard it right, 15 plus years, designing and delivering programs for students in grade, in grade four to 12. He has led four year and summer, summer youth programs across Canada, USA, Tajikistan, India, Kenya, and the list just goes on, and virtually for kids from 50 plus countries. These programs have ranged in topics from technology, entrepreneurship, world issues, such as climate change. In 2021, he found Apollo, which is a learning program for kids aged from 10 to 13, which helps them to be a, to be leaders in a constantly evolving fast-paced world. The program helps youth cover topics from mindset, self-awareness, world issues, personalized coaching, and much more. Please help me welcome Nadeem Nasser. Super grateful to have you today. Thank you so, so much for having me. I'm honored to be here and excited to have our conversation today. Thank you, Nadim. Firstly, thank you so much again for being here, taking your time out. Um, you know, it's such an important topic today and to be able to discuss with you is our pleasure. So let's just get started with the question. So, so can you just be told a bit about Apollo, obviously? So can you just tell a bit more about your journey to Apollo and talk a bit more about your, you know, your purpose, your why behind making Apollo? Absolutely. So I think that journey for me has been very much guided by my intuition and what felt more natural, what felt like it was 
instinctively uh, a direction that made sense to me. Uh, I, I studied business in school. I was born and raised in Canada. Uh, I gravitated towards business mostly because I didn't want to put in as much hard work through the fields of engineering and sciences. And uh, my parents were both kind of in business fields. So going to one of the Canadian business schools just felt like it made sense to me. But when I was doing my summer internships, I didn't really get excited about working in the corporate context for myself. Uh, I, I didn't feel an attachment to kind of the, the meaning of the work that I cared about. And that did matter to me from a younger age. And I think that's because I got exposed to mentors that really had found a sense of purpose in the work that they do. I spent one of my summers when I was about 19 years old in Kenya, in Nairobi, doing some work with Diamond Trust Bank, an uh, organization within the Aga Khan Development Network. And I think that summer was definitely a shift in the trajectory of my life from really thinking about, hey, people with a business background, a private sector background can really contribute and solve important problems in organizations that are, are going through these types of things around the world. So that, that one uh, part of my journey really was transformative in the direction I took my life. At a high level, some of the different chapters that kind of I went through, I finished school, I did an, a year of work in microfinance living in Tajikistan with a fellowship program, the Aga Khan Foundation Canada Youth Fellowship Program, essentially learning about what does banking for the poor or, or microfinance for smaller and medium enterprises within the country of Tajikistan, a, a region that I didn't know much about, what does that actually look like on the ground? I didn't love doing work in microfinance and I wasn't necessarily as happy living in Tajikistan, but that still resulted in three plus years of me staying in the region, working with the United University of Central Asia, helping to uh, open up the first few campuses in Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, and Kazakhstan with a phenomenal team of people. We had, a, a, well, the Dean of Arts and Sciences, Dr. Arif Katra, was the one who brought me on the project, a former professor of mine. Uh, and we spent about three years figuring out what does it take to provide access to education for young people that live in remote communities from the three countries the university operates in, but also from neighboring countries, from rural parts of Afghanistan, from the surrounding region as well. So that was probably one of the most meaningful chapters along my life that all of these, I think, experiences really reminded me about the importance of providing access to quality education, a personal vision and mission of mine that I connect with to eventually uh, lead and start Apollo, uh, which of course, along the way, there was some more consulting work I was doing. I did some work with an organization called the Knowledge Society, building out their junior programs. And for me, Apollo is a response to what I think our students really need and don't get access to in current systems. And that is like really training them holistically with the mindsets, with the character, with the values, the exposure to the world that they need to, again, truly be global citizens that can contribute to problems that exist in the world. No, that's incredible. Like your journey has been amazing. And I'm so glad you followed your intuition because, you know, our intuition never lies. Um, it's always telling you the truth. Like it's always guiding you to the right path. So I'm so glad you like, you know, you followed that. And you're so right that, you know, you, like we as um as youngsters, we didn't get that platform of like, you know, coaching, mindset, how to, you know, solve emotional problems and all that is so much needed. And we get taught yeah. about that science, which is also very important. But what about like just how to deal with your how to deal with the emotions? How do we handle them? We get so confused, right? 
I think even asking the question, which wasn't a, a mental model that I used until much later in my career, but really thinking about what does my happy life look like? Mm -hmm. What does a life of meaning look like? And at first, to be honest, I didn't really have uh, I, I think it was happenstance in hindsight, it seems like there was some rhyme and reason to this journey. But in it, I, I felt completely lost. And I thankfully had really great mentors to guide me in the direction that I ended up here. But it was very much okay, how can I just get into a business school and get the 80% average to not get kicked out? And then it was, okay, how can I get a job that eventually can pay me six figures so I can finish paying off my student debt, and then I guess live a good life, right? It was very I think trivial metrics of success, and I think later on, as I as I reflected more, as I thought about this more, I started to really think about what does my meaningful life look like? What is my why? What is that vision statement, a measurable mm -hmm. kind of vision statement that I want to contribute towards the world? Uh, and I think this is what has led me to take ownership and control over what I do in design and contribute to the world in a way where I can still capture the value that I provide and live as comfortable for life as I want while doing meaningful and impactful work. And that was a hard thing for me to reconcile throughout my career. No, definitely. And, you know, you're making, you know, you answer that question now, whereas, you know, so many people think about what is happening until their 40s, 50s, you know, even 60s. So them discovering that right now, you know, at that age, you're preparing them not even to be successful, but just to be better humans, you know. Totally, so, totally. Absolutely. I think I was kind of listening to it very eagerly, uh, <laughs> what you were saying, Nadeem, like it was just quite very inspiring. Um, a lot of people realize their purpose in life very late. I think you understood the purpose very early in terms of what you wanted. Um, there is a very good quote I was reading from Robin Sharma. I said that, you know, uh, when, when you die, the two things will be most important. First thing, the first thing will be how many people you helped and what you become. And I think the purpose-led life is a lot more better in comparison to a life which is fulfilled by just chasing money. I think when you see people's life getting getting better, and especially you know uh, young people's lives getting better, um, you you get a lot of like fulfillment in terms of you know you did something for someone, uh, and then you know you're basically creating future leaders. I think that's what you're doing. Yeah, right. You, you, you kind of, yeah, go on. You're saying something. No, I, I just, I think that that's such an important point that you're, that you're hitting on our slum that like, like service, serving others, and it could be serving people. It could be serving the planet, but mm -hmm. really giving back. And I'm, I'm so grateful that this is how I was raised from my community, from being raised as an Ismaili Muslim through my community with my parents and the values that they not just taught me, but they demonstrated. It mm -hmm. really, I think is about something greater than yourself. And it could be symbolic, small acts of, holding doors open for seniors or going to like volunteer at an old folks home, or it could be kind of really thinking about transforming the way that our education system operates to provide better access to quality education for those who are living in complete remote rural areas. But serving others, I think, has, is, is such a deep value of mine. And uh, I think that I am here where I am today because people have served me because organizations and institutions and my community that has I benefited from. So I think it's this like circle of of, of giving back. I, I read something once, I think it was like, charity is the rent you pay to lead a good life. And for me, I think it's more service is that rent that you pay to lead a good life to really figure out how can you constantly contribute back to the world and create the cycle of, of equality, of access to education and healthcare, the basic, basic needs where we still have so much inequality. And how do we train young people to think about this ethic of service as well as we as we grow and 
evolve as a humanity. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, you know, voluntaries, I think you touched upon correctly that we have been doing it like since like um, since the age of six, seven, I remember. Um, and um, if you do something for 30 days, it becomes a habit. But if you keep on doing that for a lifetime, it becomes part of your DNA, right? It's part of your DNA where you 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 live for it. I mean, um, and I think as you, as you said it right, that if you help other people, it will come around in different ways that you don't even know, right? Um, and the work that you're doing is just incredible. Um, and as I said, like you are, you are creating future leaders that is that will change the world. That will change the problems that we have right now, like climate change and so on and so forth. Um, and I think you were sparking that, um, that you know, um, that 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 fire inside them to to do something big in life. Um, and that's important to do it in early age, I, I believe. Absolutely. We're aligned on that. And I certainly yeah. hope so. We have a team of people that are working to transform these young people. It's it's not just myself, but we are on a mission here and we've accomplished a, a good amount so far. But there's there's so much more to go. And I'm excited to continue to push the boundaries on, on what's possible with young people around the world. Absolutely. Let's move on to the next question. Um, can you give any advice on people struggling to find their passion and and then use it in service of others? Yeah, I I think for me, it's about building this strong uh, attuneness to what you care about and figuring out how can you romance whatever you care about as much as possible. Because I think it's only when you have exposure at a young age to different problems or different fields that you can truly then filter and say, okay, I'm really excited about X, Y, or Z. Uh, I think for me, again, problem-led careers is the way I think about it, but I don't think everybody needs to go out there and solve problems. But figuring out what problem frustrates you, right? I thought maybe it was access to finance, that people can't have banks and access to money. And that's crazy. People should have access to like banking services. I did it for a bit. I said, you know what? I don't care about this as much. On the weekends, I was tutoring kids. I was helping kids think about applying for scholarships abroad. I was trying to like sign up for camps. I was, I was so much more passionate about youth development and the, the access to quality education, especially those who are coming from lower income backgrounds. And I think that really figuring out what do you care about, not what will pay, what will give you a paycheck. I think we often get caught into uh, money and the role that money needs to play, which I think it's like a relationship that I've gone up and down and thinking about my relationship with money. I think it's an important uh, kind of concept of, of how do you think about money? Cause money, it does enable certain things in your life. But I think being able to really think about like, what are you excited about? Even if it's not to do with uh, uh, starting a company, not everybody needs to start a company. Some are love to, perform art and express themselves in creative ways. And that contributes to the fabric of society equally as well, but really getting as much breath and exposure, even if you're still in high school, even if you're still in university or college, even if you're a young professional, like there's no, it's never, never too late to kind of shift the domain areas or get exposed to a completely different area in your life. I think people sometimes think, Oh, I've spent three years or five years or 10 years in this field or going this direction. I cannot change it now. That's a load of, crap in my view i think that you can change your direction in your life you can change what you're excited about and it, it's a scary thought to kind of do things that are unconventional and like away from like the safe pathway but taking the riskier pathway and figuring out what you care about i think will yield a sense of fulfillment and joy that's much more important to pursue than anything else and you need to just get exposure that's the 
summary here, get exposure to a bunch of things, figure out what you care about, double down, volunteer your time, serve with an organization, do an internship, take some time off, take a gap year, really go deep into what you care about and figure out what that is and how can you build a life around that. Absolutely. I think I think you should definitely do something that you're really passionate about because if you're passionate about something, whether it's entrepreneurship or whether it's uh, being a sports person, I think if you're really passionate about something, you will end up achieving it because that will become your life mission. Right. And if, if something becomes your life mission, you you will end up doing extremely, extremely well. Um, and you, you are completely right in terms of, you know, I think you should always think of a problem, like whatever you're trying to solve. I think problem is the most important thing. Um, it's not about the ideas, about the problem, I think. Um, and and solving problems that that you really are passionate about. And sometimes, sometimes those problems are from your childhood days, right? Like something yeah. you face as a child or when you face in an adult. Totally. Or it's something that your parent faces, something that is part of your day-to-day life that you experience, but you want to solve it for or other people or that you observed i think for me when i started to travel at, at a young age and i told you about my trip to kenya like that gave me doing a tour of a kibera slum there or seeing how some of the individuals in my community were living it sparked this emotional uh it gave this emotional spark for me that really made me think about i want to solve and contribute to people that are struggling but again i want to re-emphasize re- that it's not just about everybody needs to solve problems sometimes it's what do people want to contribute to the world mm-hmm. with their talents, with the ideas of pushing boundaries of what's possible in athletics or in arts or in music, right? I think that there's like so much to, to that people can bring to the society. But I think the moment that we we just accept, okay, I just got to do any job to make money because like that's what I got to do. Like when you when you when you you lose kind of the the collective happiness and joy and and passion i think in the world i think we're all in this together right like i think we need to think about how are we solving our common humanities problems despite whatever background and religion and ethnicity that you may be and how do we continue to create a world that's worth living in right and i think we can each shape that ourselves we have full agency to do that as individuals absolutely i think it's all about thinking above yourself right beyond ourselves, beyond our individual needs and I think COVID kind of showed us a perfect example how, you know, how we as human um, community can come together and solve problems, right? Uh, it was it was um, a problem where I think everyone was there together. And um, it was just amazing to see like how everyone came out of, I mean, it's not completely out, but I mean, you know, <laughs> partially, <laughs> um, like everyone like helped each other and, and um, you know, uh, created solution to solve that problem so i think it's all about working together and i think totally it's all all around you so it's about it's about just finding the right experts to kind of come together and solve problems yeah absolutely yeah no i think i took away from your um, from your conversation is like what actually makes you truly happy you should go after that doesn't matter how much money or whatever you know your internal happiness matters the most it could be anything like I recently had a career change I was in accounting and I hated it so much tried my best failed exams and you know like and I was like I'm gonna quit (laughs) like I'm done so like you know like it was my happiness that I had to go after and like I asked myself like this is the step that I'm taking because 
I now can do something that I love. Like I can go back to my podcast, which I love. Like I love doing this. I love volunteering in my outside. So I left everything for that job. So if it's ruining your peace of mind, um, I think then there is no point, I think. So that's another and, and I think I think we still need to be creative of like how do you make a living for this? Like what is your happy oh, there's, yeah. there's a guy, uh, Ram, Rami Sethi, who talks about what is your rich life and what is your kind of happy rich life look like? And I think defining like maybe how much money do you need to live that life per month or per year? Or do you have a target you're trying to get to, to live that life? Cause I think it's important to think about like you, if you want to have a family, if you want to live in certain conditions, you need money. Money is a means to an end. It's a resource. Yeah, and I think that reconciling that with like whatever your passion and desires are, I think is important, but there's ways like we meet with the internet, like there's a creator economy. There's so many ways to thoughtfully and creatively make a living while doing things that you love. I think you just have to, be bold enough and courageous enough to take that unconventional path. Exactly. You have to believe in your dreams and believe that totally. like, you can do it. If you can believe it, it will, you know, things will change. It will manifest for you, but you need to first take that step of, I'm not saying quit everything and just leave it, but like, you know, yeah. but, but it's, I'm like happiness is important, but like, obviously, as you said, it should be a balance. So I'm sure there is a way of using your, as you've done it to use your purpose and you've used your things that you enjoy to make an income out of something. So I think it's totally, uh, it's a balance. Okay, so let's move on to the, we, have, we love the conversations, but let's move on to the next question. So I think we um, briefly touched on it. So what do you think, uh, why do you think we get the most meaning when we give back? I think we touched on that, but like in terms of how, on how can we contribute to others and what can be the easiest way to give back? Like, yeah. So the first part was why do we, why do I think we get the most meaning? And I mean, my instinct is that like, it's like a combination of like selflessness and selfishness. Like I feel selfishly good when I'm contributing to giving in some way, in some form. Right. And that generally is like sharing advice with someone or coaching them or mentoring them. Uh, it's been in designing programs and like transforming people because of it. It's sometimes it's just like spending your time and knowledge in helping someone that is struggling with something. Right. And I think that, people get meaning in different ways, but I think it just feel the, the why it's meaningful, I think is more about you feel that you're able to contribute to someone else's life or the planet in some ways in a way that's very unique to you. You feel valued. You feel that you can kind of do something with your specific knowledge and time and effort. And it could be, again, very simple symbolic things, or it could be something that's much more intellectually tied um, so I just think it's such a powerful force that, again, I didn't intentionally serve because of that. I <laughs> served because this is how my parents raised me. This is what values the community that I was raised in emphasized, right? And I think that trained this idea of serving others, your fellow neighbor, regardless of ethnicity and religion and gender, whatever else it is. And I think that that's so important. And the easiest ways to give back, I think sometimes, I mean, there's your communities that you live in, your neighborhood your country, your religious communities, I think even just finding problems that you want to maybe solve. And again, you can give back by solving problems and helping in homeless shelters and environmental cleanups and seniors homes, or there's ways in which you can give back by bringing kind of your creativity and your passion to the world. Those who are athletes can coach younger athletes. Those who are artists can maybe do pop-up artist kind of like workshops or even bringing art and, and, and wonder to the world, right? I think that there's so many ways to give back. And I think you have to just also find your, your why and how and your what you want to contribute and make the time to serve, right? It's hard when the older you get and you have obligations, personal and 
professional obligations, but really dedicating that time to serve. I think sometimes you can integrate service in the work that you do and like you're serving humanity with like a social enterprise or social mission of your company that you've joined or company you work with mm -hmm. or you start. And sometimes it's separate from your work. Sometimes maybe you're doing a, a role that you get excited by. It could be a corporate role or something. And you dedicate the three hours or five hours or 10 hours of thoughtfully serving intentionally. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, it does. Like there are so many ways you can do, like you can actually make an impact and it could be something really, really small. Like you start off with just like, you know, passing a compliment to someone else. Like it could be really tiny, totally. you know, totally. you don't have to, it doesn't mean like, give like start off with like giving 10 hours or like you know it can be very massive it could be totally just a few minutes so if it, you know as you were saying you started off by giving advice to someone and that can you know that over advice or like just having a conversation with someone and they're down that's also service because that conversation can change their life can change totally, their, you totally. Know, you service comes in so many forms so many forms and just we talk about random small acts of kindness small acts of service right like i think micro things like re really just reaching out to someone and be like hey like how are you doing just checking in or like those small things of like thinking about something other than yourself without ulterior motive without trying to say all right i'm helping you now you got to help me later or there's like <laughs> ious like it, it shouldn't be transactional it should be it should be genuine and authentic right yeah no and you know you can have a little reminders like i are so motivated me to do this but like i have we do five minute journal so like nice. you know, i do too yeah <laughs> so nice. there's this thing of saying like three things that you should do to make your day amazing and i'm yep. like you know message my mom or message my dad saying i love yeah. them like, you know so like the small things that, i mean that's also active stuff in its own way you know you build yourself up to like things yeah absolutely i'm, I'm aligned these small, <laughs> the small things kind of give you more happiness like for example as small as just going to a park and feeding duck for example i'm just giving it <laughs> totally love totally that. Totally. Yeah, I mean, and it's, 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 this, it's this something other than yourself. Yes, like it's like, exactly. it's serving something other than yourself. And it could be, it, there's so many small ways to do it. And then you can think about more like deeper ways, but I think training, even with young people training this idea of like serving others, small acts of community service, small acts of appreciation notes, small acts of help another peer do X, Y, Z. It just trains that like life isn't just about you and your ego being in the center of the world. It's about, it's about humanity. It's about community. That's my philosophy around what life's about. Absolutely. And if you, any, as you said, like if you give back, it comes on, it comes to you in unwanted ways. Of course you don't want it, yeah. but as you said, but it just come around in different ways and different forms. So let's move on to the next question. Um, why do you think it's important to teach the younger generation how to control their mindset slash emotions? Yeah, I think with the power of the internet, students can learn anything and there's no need to still be memorizing formulas and intelligence. IQ is going to be there with the power of distributed access to knowledge and being able to learn on your own. I think what we need to train the most with young people is emotional intelligence, EQ, adaptability, and being able to really harness some of those key mindsets those mindsets could be a growth mindset which we hear a lot about in the value of that but they can also be other mindsets around practicing gratitude mm -hmm. around resilience i think resilience is one of the most important mindsets that young people need to have and sometimes they get coddled and babied and spoiled to not actually persevere through difficulty and i think that if we again my 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 framework of thinking about this is how do we create a society and humanity in which people are 
are providing and 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 receiving kind of joy, contributing to more equality in the world. I'm I'm a believer that all individuals should have equal access to education, to healthcare, to basic human rights. And I think that if we want to do that, we need to get young people that are actually going to be empathetic, that are going to really push through challenging. We have a lot of challenging problems that exist in today's society. And only with strong mindsets and an emotional awareness and, and, and attention can they really push some of these things. I also think young people often fall victim to, especially with social media and tech, the drawbacks of it, have their own uh, self-esteem and self-confidence and uh, mental health issues. I think mental health is a huge crisis that we have in today's world. And I think that the more that we can understand our emotions, articulate our emotions, seek out support through therapeutic means or others to be able to really just try to figure out how are we able to get to the root cause of some of these problems. And that sometimes is just the use of social media and defining your, your status on your likes and things like that. But how can we get young people to have these important conversations and think about what creates, again, a happy life for them? And I think it's very much tied to mindsets and character as much as it is about their knowledge and their skills and their ability to code a website, for example. Okay, so next question, um, Adam. So in your coaching, you you know, you know, teach about the youth, about self-awareness and mindsets. Can you explain um, what they are and how can we build some daily practices in our daily life that we can use, you know? Yeah, so my approach with this in, in the session, so we run, just to give context, we run um, a different kinds of programs, but one of the flagship programs is our, a weekend program that we run. We do it in person, we do it virtually, um, we do it for two to three hours. And one of the topics explicitly is around kind of growth mindset and self-awareness. And we try to get the students to really just understand this whole like just concept of how the brain works, neuroplasticity, like how it, the brain is malleable and like what does like a, a failure, what's the value in failure and really reframing how failure and having a mindset of like trying to fail and be able to learn from that failure. That's what growth is. True failure is not trying or not putting yourself out there or not like taking risks. Right. And we actually have many failure challenges that we take the kids to. We get them to be like, all right, you have to fail this week. How are you going to fail? What are you going to try that allows us to celebrate failures? Um, I think beyond, again, the other mindsets for self-awareness, I think it's one we talk to the students about, like, why is self-awareness even important? Why are those who are self-aware able to actually find more happiness and meaning in their life? How can they develop a stronger degree of self-awareness? Of course, there's a lot of self-awareness uh, uh, frameworks and typology kind of like personality typology but other self-awareness tools that students can be looking at but we literally just get them to ask and reflect on questions and talk about it with peers like where do you feel that you're strong at where do you feel that you're weak at where how do you learn best when are you the most comfortable right like really getting them to eventually have thought around their own insecurities their own flaws and recognizing why and how those insecurities and flaws are actually so important in like ways that they can be empowered by those and, and use them as their superpowers, right? And I think the first step is just recognizing it, having the courage to talk about it, and then being able to really gradually work at it, realizing that we all have, no one's perfect, right? We all have these, these challenges that we're navigating through and getting the kids through some of these exercises during the session, but also during the week and weeks that follow to build that stronger degree of, of self-awareness. And that's great. I was just smiling throughout the whole thing because I just wish like 
I had something when I was young like that because you and me both (laughs) (laughs) yeah we all to be honest and everyone listening probably would agree that you know when we when I failed as a child or when I you know when I didn't get my grades I literally I failed my A-level and um I thought I was a failure I thought I went into like nearly like anxiety depression because I thought that defined me but it's so wonderful that you're teaching them like failure means that's good there are always ways and like you know you can learn from them so you were saying something and I think I think the relationship with failure is even like with the parents as well so I try my best Mm -hmm. to work with the parents of my programs to recognize like how are you defining it's part of my interview process I've interviewed (laughs) parents as well I said like what does success look like for you as parents for your children and how can we get some parents especially those who come from backgrounds where it's much more traditional really to rethink how you define success and happiness for your kids how can you ensure that you're not pushing uh, a, a value system that when you when you when you fail when you don't do well in a grade that that's not a definition of who you are right and how can you learn mm-hmm. from those setbacks and really build that sense of resilience through difficulty and it starts with the parents it starts at home right so yeah. I think that it's so important to get the parents on board for students whether they're in middle school or high school to like really redefine what success and happiness looks like and not pressure their own children to unhealthy levels of of mental health kind of challenges that that is controllable and avoidable in my view definitely and in this like world of social media there's so comparison so much comparing you know and I can only imagine what goes on in the kids like in the youth's mind even if we compare so much I can only imagine how much they would be going through so having something like this definitely can keep them on the track absolutely Another thing to add is that I think it's just reinforcing the facts are uh, grades are not the most important thing because um, if you look at from the in, from more of a traditional Indian society, I think um, grades are given the utmost priority, but it's not. Um, and I think I love the fact that where you kind of, you know, uh, you're teaching the kids how to fail because <laughs> It's like building the muscle, right? Um, and if you keep on exercising that muscle, it's, it's going to become stronger. And whenever it, it's just like uh, giving them a demo in terms of how it works, right? So, and if you face a uh, failure in real life, that's when you can use that muscle, right? So I think it's just amazing that you, you, you're giving real life skills to kids that can be useful in any field that they go in whether they go into sports, whether they become, whether they go go in politics, whatever, right? Those key areas can be applied in any area of life, relationship, anything. Totally, totally. Because if you're rejected, let's say if you have a relationship and you get rejected by someone, that's again, you you just take it personally, right? It's very detach yourself, right? Learn to detach. I think that's the most important thing. And sometimes as a human being, even us, even us, right? We struggle. But if we build that muscle early on in the career or early on in the childhood, I think it's going to have a tremendous impact yeah. on a kid's life. Saving people from like, you know, going through therapy and all of that because you're building this all you know i've gone through therapies i've gone through loads of things so like i think it should be mandatory regardless though right i think that just like that also definitely like like i i actually think just young people uh, it should be as mandatory as everything else that we push upon students to be able to speak to a therapist to be able to kind of like think through Mm -hmm. their own mental emotional proactively not just reactively and i think that it's so so valuable to get young people to reframe why setbacks and difficulties and hardships and rejection 
right? And I think it is often tied to elements of ego or self-worth. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. when you can talk yeah. about this and students can talk about it, it's not that they're too young to talk about it, right? I think it shifts the way that they think about their own happiness yeah. that way. Definitely. Just improves their mental health, I think. Not in terms of therapy, I think, but yeah, it would change that too. Like it just totally. helps their own yeah. mindsets. And it's also kind of reprogramming that something called a subconscious mind because that's developed early on in the kid's life, right? You start to reprogram your, your belief system, right? That start to form when you are around seven years old. So, right, it's just about reprogramming the, that belief system to kind of cater any challenge in life. Uh, is building totally. yeah so amazing discussion let's let's move <laughs> on um the next question i wanted to ask you is that um what do you think about emerging technologies uh and which ones are the most important to learn about i think i mean there's there's a well there's a whole breadth of technologies and i will tell you that i'm by no means some sort of expert into this field i recognize and i understand technologies that are at a high level enough to be able to introduce them to students that go deeper so there's a number of ones you may hear of there's the there's artificial intelligence there's machine learning there's elements of virtual reality augmented reality there's gene editing there's uh, we, and we can talk, there's alternative cl- uh, climate change technologies, there's human longevity, right? And I think really having, so the first thing I think is everybody should understand what artificial intelligence and machine learning is and take some time to recognize how we're, how is it already being integrated and used in our various industries and workforce, but also how can you train yourself on being able to command and use artificial intelligence tools? There's a company called OpenAI that uh, has something called GPT-3, as well as uh, DALI. There are two kind of tools that people can kind of start using from now to actually think through how can they redesign the way that they do work? How can they utilize AI tools to be more effective and efficient and gather more data and automate elements, right? And I think just being able to use the internet to like learn about how these technologies work how are they currently being applied and how can they be applied to various industries? We just had a session this past weekend on, uh, on thinking about uh, uh, the future of X industries of the future, manufacturing, the future of food, the future of uh, health, future of education, and really thinking about how is technology going to be shaping those futures. I think it's important that we all understand it for the, our own fields that we're operating in, but just to think about how the world is going to work because we can shape that future. We don't have to just wait and be a bystander to that future as well. Absolutely. And I think the the youngsters that are part of the part of your camp are the future leaders, right? So it's very important to understand these technology technologies at an early age. And all of these technologies that you talked about will really aid, um, you know, it, it won't really, uh, you know, displace human beings. I think it will be an aid to help them serve the humanity better. So for example, like, you know, uh, if you take an example of a surgeon, like AI or machine learning can really help them to kind of, you know, um, to come up with like diagnosis or use use data sets to kind of uncover uh, illnesses and so on and so forth. So I think um, genetic engineering, you know, you talk about blockchain, you talk about like all of these like upcoming metaverse and, and so yeah. on and so forth. I think these technologies will like really change the world that we live in um and yeah. like 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 how internet has done done it now i think that's how these technologies will be and i think 
the days are not far where I guess you will be doing your cams via virtual reality or augmented <laughs> reality. I think, I think, uh, or in metaverse, you, you don't know, right? I mean, right. Uh, and the 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 possibilities are endless. I would say. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think we need to keep dreaming big. We need to understand like the impact of these disruptive innovations because they are gonna. Our world is gonna be changing at an even more rapid pace. So this this so what for me is the lifelong learning about. How is technology working? How is it going to change? How can we build the key skills, the 21st century and future-oriented skills to really thrive in the future? How can we really focus on those mindsets and characters? This is this programming is not just for kids in middle school and high school. These are these are principles I think that all individuals should be learning. It just happens to be the area that I'm focusing on, right? Yeah, definitely. So amazing conversation so far. So I'm gonna just move on to the last question. So the last question and that's our, always our favorite one. It's like, what was holding you back before you took that step, you know, to start Apollo or any un, any other uncomfortable step that you took towards your growth? What was holding me back? <laughs> Interesting. I'm going to take a moment to just think about that. That's fine. I think I think it's it's sometimes fear, right? I think it's fear and a lack of confidence Mm-hmm. that you are able to truly do what it takes holistically to get something successful. And like that fear of failure, as much as I preach about the importance of failure, I think it's one thing to talk about it. It's the second thing to live it. And maybe there's micro, like smaller acts of failing, maybe getting rejected, uh, maybe being able to like not succeed in like a guitar class. Like that's different than putting your whole reputation and and <laughs> spending time and energy finite time and energy of turning away maybe a job that's giving you an income for uncertainty mm. of what mm. kind of fail right I think there's a lot of fear around that that I think that you have to surmount and conquer and be reminded of your own potential and I think that's why surrounding yourself around people mentors and friends and peers that will bring out the best in yourself and, and bet on you and give you feedback and advice and I had so many friends like that that did that for me um but I think I think yeah, it was probably that 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 fear and that lack of confidence. Like, can I really do this? Like, I know I'm great at working with the kids, and I know I'm good at designing curriculum. But can I launch a company and think about the marketing and the operations and balance budgets? And can I truly get parents that are willing to take a bet on a brand new brand that's really just tied to me, right? And I think I think there there is those elements that probably held me back, but. It, it it felt so natural and it didn't feel like it was a long period of like doubt, self-doubt. It was a uh, moments of that, I think, especially when you, when you hit roadblocks, but those are the ones that I think are, are defining of new founders and entrepreneurs as well. Definitely. But I am so glad what you're doing. I'm so glad you took that step and you know, where you are with this and I can only see this going further and further and the impact that you're making with the intention that you're going with, I think. And, you know, also one last thing before I move on to the rapid fire is like, passing your fear is the best rather than having the regrets of not going after your dreams i think you know that is the even if you fail that's better than like you not starting anything and you dying with as life is so short short like you know dying with that regret possibility of something occurring so yeah so glad of what you're doing so keep going um we'll move on to the uh, the rapid fire round so you can only answer in a line or using a word we always try that but it always fails <laughs> we will definitely one line i can only say one line as one a line or using a word but 
with our guests at Never Works because they're so amazing. So, <laughs> but we'll try. So the first question is, if you had to make one rule in the world that everyone should follow, what would it be? My rule would be uh, uh, pursue unconventional paths. Love it. Right. Amazing. I thought you were gonna get. Uh, I thought you were gonna say keep on failing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Challenge everything. My thing is challenge everything. Challenge every rule and authority. I can go on. <laughs> okay. The second question that you wanted to ask it: What is one thing you are working on right now on yourself? I would say holistic health to operate at peak performance great balance is always needed so amazing answer so the last question of the rapid fire is if you had to give one piece of advice to our listeners what would it be i think find your joy live your joy i I think everyone has their own aspects of what provides them joy, what kind of things they want to give back and figure out what that is and then live it. Take the courage, exercise the courage to live a life full of joy. Joy is my guiding guiding word. And that's what I would leave the listeners with. Love it. Thank you so much. Awesome. That was amazing. Um, thank you so much, Nadeem, for joining us. It's been a great experience. I hope you continue to impact so many people around you through through your amazing initiatives and contrib- contributions to society. The work that you're doing for the youth is incredible. I can only imagine the wonders that will do with the skills and knowledge they have been equipped with. Um, you are such a big inspiration to us and so many people around you. You probably don't realize the impact you made on people by, by starting Apollo and other programs you have, you have worked on. You have shown us that if you truly aspire to do something with your true passion to serve others, you can achieve it. And the universe helps you on the way to your journey. Nadim, if our audience want to connect with you, where where can they find you? Yeah, so I live in North York, Ontario, if they want to come see me in person. <laughs> I, I uh, am I'm reachable at email at Nadim, that's N-A-D-I-M at Apollo School, A-P-O-L-L-O school.io. Uh, I'm reached on LinkedIn, on Instagram, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, feel free to message me anytime if you have questions or suggestions. I think we're rising the tide together as a community and always happy to collaborate with others that are trying to do similar things. That's amazing. It's good that you didn't give your home address. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I have too much privacy. <laughs> okay. Um, and thank you to all of you who are listening today. We are so grateful and humble, humble to have you as part of our growing community who are trying to break fast barriers which are holding you back to achieve your goal. Let's together chain lives around us. Please follow us on our Instagram page, What's Holding You Back, and give us feedback. You can listen to us on various places such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We are so excited for upcoming episodes. They are going to be epic. So I'm uh, so I'm looking forward to having you back, sending you lots of love and gratitude as well as strength for whatever you're going through. Thank you. 